Thanks for joining us on History Makers. And joining us on the line is Elizabeth Murray, who's a well-known Christian artist. How are you doing today, Liz? Hey, Matt, I'm great, thank you. How are you? Very good. It's great to chat with you. Now, we're going to talk a bit about your art and uh, the kind of work you're doing with all your recent portraits and sketches and everything. But before that, let's hear a bit of your story. Whereabouts were you born and raised? I was actually born in America. I was born in the USA, in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family were living there at the time. So, yeah, and I moved to Australia when I was four years old. Four years old, okay. And Pretty did much you... an Aussie. And did you have much of a religious upbringing? Yeah, actually, my um, family, my mother and father, they actually met in the Children of God cult, which is now called The Family. Okay. Um, it still exists, but... Um, yeah, they met my mom, I think, and my dad were about 17 or 18 when they both joined. No, sorry, my mom was about 19. My dad was a bit younger. Um, and they met after around when they were in their 20s. Mm. But they were both in the cult. My dad joined in New Zealand and my mom joined in Hawaii. Wow. And, um, yeah, they met up at a commune at, um, at some point there. My mom already had my older sister, Tay, and... Mm. Um, yeah, they met, got married there within the cult and had, I think my older sister was born during that time as well, so my two older sisters. They they stayed in that cult until, um, I think, uh, a few years they were in the commune, but eventually a lot of the issues, like the deeper issues, um, obviously their beliefs, sharing lives, and there was a lot of really like horrible things that were happening in the cult. When that came to light, my parents decided to be like missionaries, so they left the actual commune to travel around and share the gospel. And my dad would play guitar, and mum would hand out pamphlets. And you know, they they had a real passion um, to serve God, but they were brought into the cult where there was a lot of acceptance for young people, and I guess that sort of um, kept them there. You know, and it wasn't until a bit too late, probably, until they'd been taught a lot of the negative and destructive type teachings um, that they started to come out of it. And eventually the cult, I think, was exposed for a lot of pedophilia and stuff like that. Um, By that time, my parents were much more removed from it, but a lot of the doctrinal issues were kind of infused, I think, into my family life, Um, very dominating religious type behaviour. So, yeah, I grew up with a lot of that sort of... um, (laughs) <laughs> so it must have been difficult for you to understand the difference between true Christianity and this cult you were raised in. Uh, yeah. what, what were the main differences between the cult and, and true Christianity? Absolutely. I mean, I was born way after, once um, they'd come out of the cult. But I think what it impacted the most in the presentation, my dad would read the Bible and talk about God and we would go to church but it was religion. It wasn't um, the transforming power of the Spirit of God inside someone, changing the character, changing um, the way 
Um, you live your life. It was about rules and regulations, um, much more of a dominating type um, presentation that I was shown. So my dad in the home was very much an authoritarian and spoke to us as a group, not as individuals, which you would see in most you know, legalistic type religions where people are just one of many. They're not individually known by God. And so I had no other idea of who God was except this big, angry old man in the sky who wanted to whack me mm. <laughs> you know, and, and punish me for all the wrong things I've done. And, you know, it produced like a rebellion in you. Like I didn't want anything to do with religion once I was out of the care of my parents. Um, you know, I had Christians talk to me about God and, um, and it just, I didn't want to know about it because, you know, I'd seen that and that was all I knew and I didn't want a bar of that. Nobody wants to know God like that. That's terrible. Mm. <laughs> you know, it has um, no benefit for you. And you see how destructive it is and how hurtful it is and how damaging it was to my family. So that's one of the major differences and it stopped me from hearing the truth in a lot of ways, especially because of the way my dad was very legalistic and not warm or loving towards me and, and other things were going on in the house, a lot of abuse issues. It stopped me from receiving God as well because I had such hatred and unforgiveness towards my dad. Mm. I, I had a really deep-seated hatred, so... Um, I was kind of like one of those gothic type girls. You know, I grew up really rebellious, really angry, um, staunch feminist type. <laughs> and I just, I thought men were evil, really, because of the way I saw what I saw from my dad. I mean, my dad's not an evil, you know, person, but that's what he knew, and that's all he knew what to do mm. at the time. And um, but I, my response to that was just go into full hatred and full rebellion against it, which was so damaging for me. Yeah, well, I actually never knew who God was. I didn't know at all. My brothers and sisters at some point in their younger lives, they knew that God was more than what they were being shown from Dad and, you know, the churches we were going to. They somehow knew that he was more personal, but I didn't. I didn't know a thing. It was somehow I was just completely blind to it. And um, it wasn't until I was 20, a single mum, and I was going through a really hard time. I was asked by my sister to go to like an encounter retreat run by this non-denominational home group church. And we went there and a man shared his testimony and his family was very similar to mine. And he shared his testimony about how he was a dominating authoritarian father and how um, he was fighting with his wife one day now, at this time, I really didn't believe men. I was really sceptical when men spoke to me. <laughs> so I was listening to him with, you know, a bit of an attitude. You know. um, and he was sharing how he's one time he was fighting with his wife and they were having a really bad argument. They realized that their kids had left the room and they didn't know where they were. So they went looking for the kids and they eventually found them hiding in one of the rooms. He opened the door and he saw them all praying. They were kneeling down and praying together. I think he had five kids, like my family, so five kids. And they were crying and praying, God, please help our family, help mum and dad, help them together. And when he shared the story, he started crying. And 
I've never ever seen a man feel remorse for what what he did. I've never seen my dad feel remorseful for the way he treated us. I didn't see any softness. I just saw that anger and and when he was crying, I knew it was real. He wasn't just putting on something. I knew the man I was looking at was different to the man he was telling about in the story. And I thought, well, God can change somebody. <laughs> Who can change, really? But something has happened to this man. I knew what he was saying was true. Mm. I knew that some way he'd humbled himself and God had done something inside him to change him to a kind, gentle man. It just blew my mind that somebody like what I grew up with my dad, that they could change, that somewhere, somehow, God gives them ability to to change their life, to be transformed. And, man, it was really powerful for me to see that. And through that time, um, I was able to forgive my dad, which was an absolute miracle. Mm. I can't tell you enough how much it was a miracle for me to say, God, I forgive my father for what he did to me. I forgive him for what he did to my family. And I just pray that you would help him. And I saw him also as somebody in need, not somebody who would hurt me, but I started feeling compassion for him. And in that was my freedom. I became more free to receive God for who he was because I accidentally, you know, just I think as you do as a kid, your parent representation gets mixed with who you think God is. So I just thought God's like my dad, my dad's like God, and they were fused together. And it wasn't until this man shared his testimony and we started going through some scriptures about who God is, and then you see, wow, men are imperfect, but God is perfect. God is pure love. Men love, but they have problems with love. They're not perfect, you know. And it starts separating those lies from the truth. And in that, I started to see who is God really, who is Jesus, what did he do for me, and how absolutely incredible that is. And it opened my eyes so I could really receive the truth finally. Mm. Um, Like Jesus said, um, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's exactly, somebody had to share with me the truth just at that right time, you know, with the right testimony. I mean, it was all set up. I feel like that whole weekend, even though there was, 20 people there. It was like, <laughs> it was set up for me. You know, that's how I really felt. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just absolutely, my life changed completely from that day. Like, it went on a full, like, U-turn. Mm. Well, it's a great testimony of, uh, you know, being raised in that, you know, difficult environment and the deception and then seeing the light. And, uh, yeah. and now you're shining your light with uh, particularly the art that you do. Uh, I've watched you painting uh, you know, even during worship, you, you'll paint a, a portrait of Jesus during the worship music, and it's done within like 20 minutes. Uh, it's a, uh, You've got an amazing gift, and you, you've been doing a lot of sketches recently as well of uh, people at the, the King's Table soup kitchen. Uh, a lot of people from homeless shelters have been coming there. What's it been like, this latest project you're doing? Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, I, I found a new, like, actually, I really learned how to love um, since... I met Jesus, really, and, um, you know, people that have been struggling. I mean, I struggled a lot in life, and I can really um, empathize and uh, connect with the people I've met there, actually. Um, A lot of people might not know a lot of my history, 
because of um, the work that's been done in my life. But I can, I feel like when I sit down with these guys and ladies, um, I really understand them, you know. Actually, one of the most amazing things is, even though a lot of them are still in hard circumstances, when they come to the King's Table, they have hope. They do have a lot of hope in them. And they they tell me that, you know, when I'm chatting with them, they've told me their stories and what they've learnt, you know, what they've learnt by coming to the King's Table, how they finally found a family, how they feel accepted and how kind people are to them. You know, you can't put a value on that. Mm. It's, it's really beautiful to be able to chat with them and draw them. And I mean, a lot of, I haven't had heaps of time being there, so I've taken a lot of the, their photos and chatted with them a little bit, taking notes and then finishing the drawings at home which actually gives me time to think about what they said to me while I'm drawing. Mm. Yeah, I really want people at the exhibition, where they're going to be shown um, at the fundraising event, I really want people to meet um, the people that have come to the King's Table and hear a bit of their story. Mm. Um, They may not share it with everyone. I'm a little bit shy to talk about myself (laughs) with people, just like they are too, and it's a little bit hard to get the uh, people to get their portrait done as well because, mm. you know, it's a little bit um, confronting, I think, mm. sitting face-to-face with someone. Um, but it's really beautiful to to hear stories and see how much hope uh, um, that New York Care has brought to them. Well, if people want to have a look at the portraits that Elizabeth has done recently, the website is portraitofhope.com. And if you go to the website there, you can see uh, Norm, the King's Chef, uh, he's one of the uh, the chef at the uh, the king's table. Uh, one of the chefs there, a former alcoholic who's now come to the Lord and just loves doing what he's doing. Uh, you can see Dan, uh, who's uh, you know gotten off drugs and got his life on track now, and he's one of the volunteers there. Uh, you can see Joel and Jess, who actually got married at the King's Table Soup Kitchen, and uh, you can see them with their beautiful little baby. Uh, there's some great portraits there. And as Liz said, uh, they'll be on display at the uh, the charity art auction coming up on Saturday, May 26 as well. Uh, so people can have a look at that. And you're, you're getting a whole bunch of different Christian artists together as well yeah. uh, to donate paintings and, and, and sketches and things for the night as well. How's that coming along? Oh, it's so amazing. Oh, we've got so many um, really talented uh, artists who have generously donated beautiful artworks to put into the exhibition to raise money. Nearly every person I contacted said yes. Uh, and that just makes me so happy because I see as an artist the power we have to not only just put images out there that can bring hope and health and freedom to people when they're looking at them, enjoying the artwork and they you know, they feel so much joy looking at colours and things, but also to use your work to invest it into such a great mm. charity, you know, and turn it into money that can then buy things that are going to benefit real people with real lives. It's just amazing to see how many uh, artists came and got behind it and are really excited about it too. Going towards um, a good cause as well. Yeah, well, and plenty of different styles, um, different, um, yeah, different, a lot of different artists. There's something going to be something for everyone there. Wonderful. If any artists would like to uh, contact you about, you know, working together some, you know, somehow in the future or maybe donating something, the website is portraitofhope.com and there you'll find the link to New Hope Care and the King's Table Soup Kitchen. Uh, Liz, thanks for sharing your story with us today and uh, we pray the Lord opens many more doors for you and for your art 
Uh, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.